0: Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94 3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5,
1: 4, 3, 2, 1.
0: Lock it in, turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94 3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU, Pirates. Goresco speaks, Pirates sweep, the bracket is filled, oh, a lot of NFL news, a lot of, uh, a lot of basketball coaching news today from uh, college. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, Patrick Johnson's show here on the flagship of the Pirates, 94.3 the game, ECU Baseball. Climbing into the top 10 in all the major polls after a weekend sweep of a a pretty good Charlotte outfit and the uh, Pirates pitching just dominant. 31 strikeouts of the 49ers over the weekend and just two walks. Pretty special stuff from Coach Godwin's group. Uh, Second half hour, we will go inside the ECU clubhouse with Pirate coach Cliff Godwin brought to you by Carolina Digestive. And also uh, the Gavigan agency, so that is uh, coming up. We say hello to uh, Ben Byram, who is uh, producing today's uh, effort. Ben, how was your weekend? Everything good? It was pretty good. We got that power baseball sweep.
2: Uh, UNC lost, like I thought they were going to lose. You know, so
0: Georgia well, yeah. Tech,
2: I totally predicted them winning the ACC tournament. Saw I don't recall.
0: I don't recall this. where did you predict this? I, if you said it, I, I missed it.
2: Everybody in the office, I told everybody in the office, Ryan can vouch mm. for me.
0: Okay. Uh, is that what are they, Ryan, what are they, Derek?
2: The, the green jackets, the yellow jackets. No, yes, they are. The green, green jackets, jackets jacket. all the way.
0: Yeah. Uh, is that, uh, is it Ryan or is that uh, Derek or is that uh, Xavier? He doesn't know who he is today. With you today. Your impersonations are spot. Do you have an impersonation of me, DJ Squirrelbot? Do you do one of me? That Hey guys, uh, it's me, Patrick. I'm here to talk about sports. Spot on. Was perfect spot, spot on, man. God, that's that's. This kid's going places, isn't he, Ben? Go ahead, Steve.
2: I mean, it's virtually identical there. I mean, <laughs> Brian, say go ahead, Steve. Go no, ahead, Steve.
0: no, no, no. you be perfect nice now? Be nice. Okay, uh, we've got. Uh, I, I, I'm almost tempted to re- lead with the Aresco thing because it's just so funny. But um, something that happened, the uh, resco wasn't funny, but just something that happened on it because they had a, a like a before the NCAA or the AAC championship game uh, press conference, and I got sent the email, and um, so I, I was you know here Sunday, and I thought, okay, well I'll just I'll, I'll go to the home office here and log in and uh, see what's going on, right? Uh, you know, it was via Zoom. That's how they were doing it. And I thought, okay, well, I'll just, I'll check it out, see if he says anything interesting. Uh, you know, I didn't want to get any of the guys from the station here involved because those guys were out either working or living their own lives. And it's just something, I, if he says something interesting, we'll take. And he talked a little bit about, because at the time it didn't look like Wichita State was getting in this thing. Uh, but they did as an 11th seed. Now they're in that first four play in game, but I'm a little surprised playing. they did get in. That's what I mean. I I, I was a little shocked they got in because it did not look like they were going to get in. And I guess there was some last-minute wiggle uh, by all of the uh, bracketologists because they're all claiming that they had Wichita State in. But I could have swore to you when I was watching coverage of that American tournament in the semifinal round, uh, they did not have Wichita State in after their loss to Cincinnati.
2: I feel like a lot of people had Memphis over Wichita State. It was going to be Memphis and Houston.
0: That is where some of our controversy uh, happens to come up. From, from that. I'll save all of that for you because we do want to talk the Pirate Baseball uh, sweep. We're going to talk to Cliff Godwin coming up in a little bit. And I do want to talk about something that came up, uh, happened Friday morning. And I was just shocked, Ben. I don't know about you, uh, Cam Newton. We didn't get a chance to discuss it because oh we had other things going. But I, but I do want to get into some of that uh, in this opening segment. So we'll save the Oresco stuff. But he did speak, and he spoke about it. I asked him a couple questions because there were a few things that popped in my uh, tiny mind, and I wanted to get some clarification. I was told uh, that we will get the commissioner sometime soon here in the next couple of weeks. I, I just don't think with everything we've got this week with programming and the tournament, I you know I think maybe next week we get the commissioner on. But this week's a little tough because we have baseball in the middle of the week. We have some other uh, specialty programming later on in the week. Uh, so it's going to be a little more difficult to get the commissioner Oresco on and have a substantive conversation with him. And I like Mike Oresco, but Ben, w- would you describe Mike Oresco as a little, I, I don't want to be ugly here. Drawn out. Um, mm, no, cause he, he speaks with purpose. Uh, long winded might be a little harsh. Um, uh, he, he's he you you get a lot of words from Mike Oresco, right?
2: He's got to deal with these committees all the time. They never give the American <laughs> Conference any respect. He's trying to get as much words in as possible because he usually probably doesn't, probably doesn't have the opportunity to get his words in.
0: Yeah, baby, you're right, but and look, that's great. I'd rather have somebody that answers will answer the questions, than not answer them. Right. So uh, Mike Oresko, uh we'll save that for later. But there was somebody who they'll give you the tease here. You know, you've been on. How many of these Zoom things have you been on in the last year, Ben? Way Among, too many. Way too right, many. I, I mean, press conferences. Most of our press conferences now are all Zoom, correct? Uh, we've had. We I set now. I'll tell you this. I've become a proficient Zoomer, Ben. Remember when I tried to set up that Zoom with all the interns, <laughs> and how what a disaster that was? Oh yeah. I could do that in my sleep right
2: now. Okay, all right. Do you know how to record if, Zooms now? You, there's mm-hmm, a record yeah. button. Yeah, I sure do. Right, cool. It's a big step.
0: No, no. Look, and we're 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 having fun. Ha ha. The old guy. No, Ben, tell these people how ignorant on Zoom. I I mean, I'm so ignorant on Zoom. I would email Tom McClellan and be like, Tom, what's the link? I just I (laughs) got I have. It's a one button.
2: Hey, well, I don't. I don't. I'm not going to blame you on the whole link thing. But yeah, when it's there's a big record button on Zoom, and he didn't know how to record anything on Zoom. There's literally just a big
0: record button. You just hit record. That's it. And but did I, don't record Zooms. I don't know any, I don't know but I mean, I couldn't even set up a zoom meeting. Correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was, I think that I had was, to take that over and instead. you <laughs> took set that, that over up. and
0: did it. <laughs> Cause I was trying to do it myself and I just, I'm terrible. I'm a terrible zoomer. Now, if it's just hitting a link and going, I'm the best ever. Be
2: fair. Now, I've heard there's other kind of services like that are way easier and a little bit more user friendly than zoom.
0: Is that right? Well, Zoom's the, you know, the, the soup du jour, if you will. That's the way it's been for the last year. So, I mean, you've been on how many of these Zooms, would you say? Uh, probably 50, 75. Uh, Yeah, I would
2: say in the fifties for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess the same thing. I've probably 50, 75, maybe a little more, uh, Zooms in the last year and, Uh, you know, we use them to, that's how we basically, and look, I love the idea that they're using zoom and I think they ought to continue, uh, ECU and every other, uh, sports team on the planet ought to continue to use zoom, especially for post-game interviews. I think that was great Well, on the road, especially, I mean, that was very helpful this year. Didn't you think Ben? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I hope that's a practice that, uh, East Carolina with football games, I would like to see them do it a little more with basketball games when Jody can travel.
2: I would like to see the uh, conference ditch teleconferences and just go to Zoom. Teleconferences I, were br-
0: were brutal. I agree, no, I agree with you as well. The teleconferences are brutal, and I, I would. I'm like you. I would love to see the American go to Zoom uh, as as a way to do their coach their weekly coaches conference. So, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of ways that it's very effective. Anyway, if you if you set it up a certain way, anybody on earth can get into the Zoom. I mean, it could be open or you can close it to a certain number. I mean, those are, do yeah. I have that right, Ben?
2: Yeah, you can make it public or private Okay, and some random people can just hop in.
0: At first I thought it was a fan that did, that, but it, I think now the more I've investigated, it's a media person. Uh, some media person got fired up over the Zoom, uh, on the Zoom over Memphis or SMU. But anyway, that, that's coming up later on. Let's talk a little bit about... Uh, Uh, Cliff Godwin, and then we'll get into the Cam Newton uh, situation. I know we have some Cliff Godwin cuts. We'll hear from coach a little bit uh, later on uh, in a more extended uh, format, our uh, inside the ECU clubhouse format that we have uh, for you. Uh, Oh, gosh. There we go. There's Ben's uh, notes here. Technology almost failed me there. Uh, Anyway, uh, Cliff Godwin talked about, um, you know, the let's, let's play cut six. I think that's a good one. Uh, and that is kind of the the narrative, or the uh, perhaps the uh, the mo the mood he has set around his uh, team, uh, because uh, right now the Pirates are off to a fantastic start, one of their best starts in years, and again they've cracked the top ten in a lot of the major polls out there this week. So this is uh, Cliff Godwin with a quick comment uh, after uh, yesterday's win against Charlotte.
1: But what I would say
0: about our team, and I, and
1: I would hope that people say this about, and I don't take it as an insult. They, they go, hey man, they're just really good. They just don't beat themselves. They're blue collar, they play, car, they play hard. They execute when they need to execute. They make pitches when they need to make pitches. They play great defense. And and we really haven't beaten ourselves a whole lot this year. Uh, and I think that is uh, a sign of a great team. You know, Bridgie and I were just sitting here talking and, um, he says, hey, we found a way to win. I said, yep, absolutely. So, and that's what the bottom line is, is to continue to love one another, to serve one another, and to continue to try to get a little bit better each day.
0: It's a crying shame that they're not uh, allowing more fans in the same because that would have been an absolute sellout, uh, probably all three games, but definitely Saturday and Sunday where the weather was just really spectacular. Uh, and it's great that the fans that are there are there, and the the folks in the jungle, the they're doing a great job. They're a fun team to watch and they execute yesterday was a great example of, you know, it wasn't a team that they, they didn't have a great approach at the plate yesterday. Of course, Charlotte ran some good pitching out there against them, but the 49ers, uh, struggled at the plate because the pirates pitching was so effective. Smitty, uh, <laughs> Tyler Smith is a, as a Sunday start gracious. Uh, and then the bullpen was magnificent. Carson Wisenhunt
2: to, he's uh, well, he's no, unbelievable. Carson,
0: Carson Wisenhunt is is every pitch Carson Wisenhunt throws he makes more money uh because he uh, there's no doubt he will find himself as a draft pick if he continues For this. For sure
2: without a doubt.
0: And I mean a high love a high draft pick, not a Yeah. later round draft pick. He's I mean a, played a, a,
2: what three or four games now and he's averaging non-strikeouts a game. I mean that's that's undeniable.
0: He had another 9 this weekend. He was named the American Pitcher of the Week. Uh, Norby was named the uh, Hitter of the Week, and the Pirates sweep those awards. More on those guys with Cliff Godwin coming up. I do want to get a quick Cam Newton thought. Give me a, uh, give me an idea here on uh, on Cam Newton, Ben. Uh, what is? Uh, I, I, look, I was stunned by this initially, right?
2: I saw it was a one-year deal uh, worth up to possibly fourteen million dollars. Uh, based on performance-based incentives. Uh.
0: Well, when it was announced, so I, I, the last few days McGee was on vacation. So Thursday, Friday, and, and today I was filling in for him with Henry on Talk of the Town, and I, I'm doing the final sports hit of the uh, of the hour in the eight o'clock hour, and that's the Cam Newton news had just become breaking news, and you know j- the, the initial details were out. And I, I didn't know about all the incentives at the time. But I'm not going to lie to you, Ben. I was stunned that he had signed with New England.
2: It's shocking. I, I, I always told you he, he deserves to be a backup. He does not deserve to be a starter this year. I, I've been consistent in
0: that, and I still believe that. That is that is ridiculous well, to me. This this. But now that we know it's incentive-laden. Yeah. And look, I, I'll say this. Belichick, Bill Belichick never said anything bad about Cam Newton all year.
2: He didn't. I think, and I think people try to stir things up when he said that they didn't have any money and that's why they had Cam Newton. But I mean, I, I don't think that was meant to be a diss on Cam. It was just what the situation no, was in New England. Right.
0: It was a it was a convenient marriage. And I think Cam Newton liked playing in New England. I think he likes playing for Bill Belichick. Cam did some interesting things this year when he was healthy. Yeah, he he started off
2: pretty good. I mean, I can't diss him at the beginning of the year. He started off really well, but COVID after the COVID break, he really he was one of the well, worst yeah. in football.
0: And look, the covid situation um I mean there's people in a lot worse shape than Cam Newton who had covid and have recovered but still have not fully recovered. And you know, I, I'm just anecdotal here. My wife got a vaccine because she works in the health field and she was knocked on her on her can this past Thursday and Friday. And finally kind of got back to feeling okay yesterday and, and even still maybe has some tiny lingering effects. But, I mean, she's just – that was just off the shot. Yeah, I'm not trying to persuade people not to get the shot. I'm just – there's certain people that this virus – and we don't know how it affected Cam. Yeah. You know? And anyway, I do want to get a break here because i got to get to this Oresco stuff. But I, I just – I think Cam Newton – what this tells me is – who was the guy who was the backup, Ben? I can never remember his name. Jared there's Stenum? a reason. Stenham. Stenham ain't the guy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Without a doubt. So, this tells me Belichick and company have their eye on somebody in the draft. Is, is that what that tells you?
2: I think so for sure. He's he's a bridge court. He's got to be a bridge quarterback. I mean, well, you look at the offensive line, and they traded away their two best offensive linemen, and the only weapon they got him was John U. Smith. I don't expect this season to be much better for Cam Newton. I, so they're I think they're Cam- in a complete real be- rebuild mode, I think, except for the I defense. Th-
0: Remember the comments? Transitional champ. I mean, that champ, Cam Newton is the transitional <laughs> oh, yeah. quarterback. He's the transitional quarterback this this year. I
2: think that's the perfect description for him.
0: To get him from to get the Patriots from whoever they're going to draft to the twenty twenty uh, two season.
2: What I don't I, I, quite understand about that whole thing is you got to completely revamp your offense around Cam Newton. So, what kind of quarterback are they looking in the draft for? Are they just if something happens to Cam, they could just plug him in and play. Because you can't just well, plug a quarterback and play in that offense except it's Cam Newton or Lamar Jackson or a mobile quarterback like that. I mean, it's a very unique, different offense.
0: Yeah, I don't know. don't know. I think that will be
2: just a head-scratching kind of decision to me.
0: Well, and, and But you know what? I do think it's you make a tremendous point there. I'll say this, your basketball hot takes, eh, they leave a little to be desired. <laughs> but your your football hot takes, especially on the NFL, I, I think a lot of times you you ask very good and thoughtful questions. And uh you know, how does how does the quarterback how does that put but then again if Cam is truly healthier, yeah, can he can he be more of a guy that would run the offense at Bilichek once?
2: Hey, I'll say he started off great. Maybe he can he can bring that back and keep that throughout a
0: year well, and stay healthy. They did some creative things with him. I and mean, they threw oh, him yeah. a touchdown pass. I mean, they, they Cam's a dynamic athlete when healthy, but I don't know how much gas is in the tank when healthy. That's the big key. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, a break, we come back. Uh was the media getting fired up at Mike Oresco over Memphis? We'll uh we'll explore. You you make the call when we return. Always uh, visit us online, the new website, 94.3, the game.com articles uh, from around the world of sports, latest uh, broadcast schedules for the pirate nation podcasts of this show. Plus our inside the ECU clubhouse with Cliff Godwin podcast, and uh, maybe some more podcasts coming soon. We'll see. You know, the podcasts are popular with the, with everybody. I'm told, uh, we welcome you back in, uh, chilly day rains coming soggy rest of the week in Greenville. But uh, temperature's kind of going up and down like they do in the springtime. Uh, so Mike Aresco held a pre-American Athletic Conference championship game Zoom press conference. And this is what uh, Oresco had to – so he, he made his statements at the beginning, and then they opened it up to questions. As soon as they opened it up to questions – Ben, do you have the one there that says Memphis fan – I don't think this is a, now that I think about it and I've gone back and listened to it again, I don't think this was a fan. I think this was a member of the media, which in some places, fans are members of the media and members of the media are fans. Would you agree with that, Ben? We've got a Boston. lot of that going around. Well, <laughs> look, Boston in the only. It's been going on for years in Chapel though. Yeah. but <laughs> I just said it. I said it. But I mean, look, there's some yeah, of that going on. There's some of that going on here. There's some of that going on in New York.
2: But there's a lot of that going on around here.
0: It has become a big, big issue. So, I, what I think this is, this was not. This was a member of the media who's probably also a Memphis fan. Hit, hit the cut here, Ben. And again, I, I, I might have to. We have to play it a couple times to fully appreciate because there's a little lag in the person. So they say, the commissioner says, "Hey." Um, Marty, let's open it up to questions. Guy's name's not Marty. I'm just, I can't remember it right now. And uh, this is what, what this is what happened. This is what someone said. They unmuted themselves and said this. Oh, yes, in, we'll in this case, give us a game to prove it. To make
1: up, man. Yes.
2: <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Did you think he knew that he was on? Or just maybe they unmuted him and he didn't realize he was due up.
0: No, I think somebody, when they went to the question portion and the guy from the American, uh, who's their media director, you know, would call on, it was very orderly. Like I, I did the ECU put press conference for the basketball. It was very order. You had to, you know, raise your hand or send a question or acknowledge. So it was, or the guy called on you. That's usually how it works at these conference, uh, you know, tournaments or a lot of these press conferences. It's not a free-for-all. I mean, you have to get it, you know, a of, raise your hand, they bring you a mic, or you just, you know, raise your hand, they call and you ask your question. You know, it's a little more buttoned up in, in these tournament settings. And... So the guy from the American would say, Ben Byram, 94.3, the game in Greenville. Uh, what are your questions? What's your question for the commissioner? And you'd, you know... Oh, so, you on and so in this well, so case, <laughs> give us a game to prove it. I, I like know. how... Yes. I like how the buffering uh, brought the F-bomb out. <laughs> but he then was, they went away. They went away after that. So He's just struggling
2: with Zoom. I, I, I can't quite pick up on what he's saying, but I, well, I maybe what, he was just having issues with the computer.
0: What, what Commissioner Oresko talked about was he, he wanted uh, – because, again, nobody thought Wichita at that point was likely to get in, and they did in a, in a play-in game. Uh, but Memphis and SMU, and the big problem was that Memphis and SMU fans and media believe that they could have scheduled those teams to play one another to help their profile get more of an at-large. Because a lot of people in, conf- in the conference circles believe that Memphis was a tournament team. Nobody else in the country thought they were a tournament team. Yeah, But everybody in the circles of the Americans seemed to feel like they were a tournament team. And so that was the, that was the story there. I don't have my list in front of me on this, so I'm gonna try to recall. Let me find it. Let me find what we got here. So that was resco on that. Um, there's one that's uh, SMU and Memphis not playing their way in. So I think this guy was the was a beat writer for SMU, and so he the, again the, the big thing was why didn't we have SMU and Memphis in the case of Memphis, play Houston again. Because remember, they had that great game the last weekend of the regular season, yeah. and Houston had that mid-court buzzer beater to beat them. And so I guess the the Memphis folks felt like they should have that game back. Now, SMU had been shut down since ECU's second shutdown and never got back. The Pirates came back. SMU never came back. And they came back for the tournament, and as I kind of felt, they would struggle against Cincinnati, who'd gotten their act together, and then they got beat. So uh, this is Aresco talking about SMU and Memphis not playing their way in to an at-large uh, process. In other words, the American looking at the possibility that it was just going to be Houston. If Cincinnati had won, it might be two. And I think if Cincinnati had won, they may have knocked Wichita out, quite frankly. Uh, but the, the league still only gets two selections in. This is rescue on what SMU and Memphis were unable to do.
3: And, you know, it had an impact as
0: we had to schedule
3: late in the year. As you know, we had we had uh, it's difficult when you try to make up games, you run out of real estate eventually. So it did had an impact on everyone, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, Wichita was supposed
0: to play SMU
3: twice and, and obviously wasn't able to.
0: And see, that would have been a really good they never played one another. Th- that right there would have been a great elimination game, right?
2: And somehow Wichita State—they were the top seed in the uh, conference tournament, weren't they? So I, well, they
0: won the regular season. Yeah, ben. that's yeah. But I mean, and look that—how legitimate was that? Because again, you just heard right there—you know, there were certain teams Wichita didn't play. Yeah, I mean, i, did, I don't even think they played us, did? I mean, our game the no, against they didn't them play got the canceled. Part. Yeah, but you can't. But you know, you can't. There was a, this is a longer cut. Let's play this here. This is the one Oresco, when he talks specifically about Memphis, the beat reporter for the Memphis plane dealer, I think it is. The Memphis newspaper specifically asked about trying to get more games scheduled. And I mean, Oresco says here, we, you just ran out of real estate at some point, you couldn't send, you couldn't send teams on the road and play a bunch of road games just to get games in. You know what I mean? I mean, you just couldn't do it. There's, there's a, A competitive balance. I mean, this was a totally unideal situation, which is why there's a lot of hand-wringing from triangle media sorts and also national media sorts about whether we're going to even have a tournament, which, I mean, right now it appears we're going to, uh, without any substitute. But we'll see. The substitute list has until, what, this time tomorrow? Tomorrow to uh to get done. Anyway, this is a Resco talking about the Memphis situation. Again, just it was a matter of timing, not enough time to get these games in that were postponed and make them up. We
3: did try and we weren't, you know, we weren't necessarily going to going to force people to do things, but we also ran into a situation where we would there was a competitive equity issue of teams playing a lot of games on the road uh, consecutively and also uh, you know, when you couldn't schedule one game, you 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 know you couldn't schedule another one either you had to be fair to to each side i don't really want to get into all the nitty-gritty but it it was a challenge there's no question about it 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 was a tough couple of weeks you know and uh, sometimes you know um you know you're in the middle of this uh there's a you know lvj's have an old saying you know he had a lot of down home sayings and you know, he said, sometimes, you know, you're, you're kind of getting it from, from everywhere and you're, you're sort of like a donkey in a, in a large field in a hailstorm and you just got to stand there and take it. You know, and sometimes that's the way I felt. But no, essentially, we, we did look to reschedule certain games and because of competitive equity and because of trying to be fair to any of the teams, we, we ended up where we were. We did try to set up some games. We, we did get Wichita game on the final weekend. You know, obviously, Wichita-Memphis, we, we weren't able to, to arrange that. And obviously, there was a second, you know, Houston-Memphis game that, that didn't get played. Um, but we, again, we looked at everything. We talked to our ADs. We tried to work it out the best we
0: could. That's really probably, I want to probably leave it at that. So, they, I mean, they did what they could. But, again, it, it comes to the competitive balance situation. We'll get into that more, and, I mean, again, by the time we get the commissioner on, it may be, you know, old news. But, look, that ain't old news in, in Memphis. I mean, here's the thing. What what good does it do to, to reschedule a game and go on the road and play a bunch of road games? At some point, if you're Memphis with great facilities, money invested in the program, tradition, a guy who is an NBA superstar who's well-known, in AAU circles, who's come in and done a great job turning the program around. At some point, you just got to win games, right? I mean, that's that's the thing. Just win games. And Memphis, frankly, just didn't do enough of that this year. All right, uh, Ben Byram with uh, an update, and then we'll go inside the ECU clubhouse with Coach Cliff Godwin. Lots happening uh, as far as hot stove stuff goes. Lots happening with the coaching carousel in college basketball now. Here's Ben with a look at uh, everything that you need to know at half past Ben. Thanks, Patrick.
2: Ben Barman here for your 94th Day the Game Sports Update. Pirate Baseball over the weekend got an impressive suite over the Charlotte 49ers and Clark LeClaire. Mind you, that was the Niners team who had the most home runs in college baseball coming into that series, but that didn't phase freshman Carson Wisenhunt at one bit as they earned the AAC Pitcher of the Week honor after striking out nine batters in seven innings Saturday. Connor Norby was also honored as the Conference's Player of the Week after hitting three home runs and seven RBIs. From college basketball, a few teams from the state of North Carolina are set to play in the NCAA tournament. UNC Greensboro will play as the 13th seed as they take on 4th seeded Florida State in the opening round. 8th seeded UNC will play 9th seeded Wisconsin also in the opening round. And App State will take on Norfolk State in the first four for the right to take on Gonzaga. Two other North Carolina teams will play each other in NIT as Davidson will play NC State in the opening round. Elsewhere in college basketball, we have a few firings and hirings. The Iowa Hawkeyes are extended head coach Fran McCaffrey's contract through 2028. Boston College hires Charles Carlson head coach Earl Grant, Nana Hoosiers fire coach Archie Miller after four seasons. From the NFL, the Carolina Panthers are making some moves as they look to build on that offensive line. They signed former jet and Viking offensive lineman Pat Elflon to a three-year deal worth $13.5 million with $6 million of that money fully guaranteed. But it doesn't stop there for the Panthers as they're working on signing offensive tackle Cam Irving to a two-year deal worth $10 million with $8 million of that money guaranteed. Panthers were the only team busy in free to see as Patriots Son Pro Bowl linebacker Matt Judon, tight end Johnu Smith, and defensive back Jalen Mills. The Bucks seemingly are going to keep almost all of their Super Bowl winning squad as they signed Ed Rusher, Ed Rusher Shaq Barrett to a four-year deal worth $72 million. The Chargers sign All-Pro Center Corey Lindsley. The 49ers signed fullback Kyle Juszczyk to a five-year deal worth $27 million. The Chiefs signed former Patriots guard Joe Tooney to a five-year $80 million deal. And among many other signings throughout the league, far too many to mention and not enough time. And after announcing his retirement, Drew Brees announced that he will join NBC Sports as an analyst. Here in 94th, the game sports update. I've been Baum we return Pirate Baseball head coach Cliff Godwin after this quick timeout.
0: Pirates with a weekend sweep of the Charlotte 49ers at Clark LeClaire Stadium. And uh, Coach Godwin is with us here. Coach, congratulations on the three victories over the 49ers over the weekend.
3: Thanks,
0: Patrick.
1: Appreciate it.
0: A lot of uh, certainly Uh, timely hitting, great execution, but the pitching uh, continues to just be amazing, Uh, and it was this weekend. Charlotte had uh, come in swinging fairly good bats, but uh, Pirate pitching over the weekend combines for over 30 strikeouts and just a couple of free tickets. Uh, Impressive stuff right now out of the staff as a whole.
1: Coach Dietrich and Coach Knight have done an unbelievable job. Of course, we have talent, but the way they've developed these guys over the past year and a half, um, you know, guys like Carson Wisenhunt and others, it's just remarkable. And really glad that they're on our coaching staff because they've done an unbelievable job with our guys.
0: Coach, yesterday, uh, early jam, you only allow one run out of that. Uh, Tyler Smith did get help with the, the double play. Uh, but, uh, again, that's that, that does take some pitching, and, and for Smitty to pitch out of that jam uh, kind of shows his mantle.
1: Yeah, Smitty's been out there before, and uh, definitely was trying to find his own early. And Norby made an unbelievable play on the double play, the unassisted double play, and he got a guy to pop up. And when you have bases loaded, no out, you only give a run—that's pretty special. I thought that was a big momentum boost for us. And of course, uh, it was tough for either club to score yesterday, so that's just a big momentum swing for us. And get us in the dugout, and then we were able to put up a few more runs.
0: Matt Bridges uh, out of the pen continues to. Uh to be fantastic over two innings of uh, work two and a third and uh, he gets the win then we saw uh, inevitably Ryder Giles come in and and get the save a lot of veteran guys on the back end in fact I think all seniors through yesterday for you there does have to be a little bit of comfort in that
1: all seniors until Ryder Ryder that's right
0: (laughs) yeah that's right I'm sorry but you're right no but
1: uh no look I said this in the post game yesterday and what Tyler Smith, Matt Bridges, and Cam Colmore have done for our program if they never throw another pitch here at ECU. They've done as much for ECU baseball as any players that we've ever had. It's not just their production on the field. It's the way they lead in the locker room. It's the conversations they have with younger pitchers. You know, it's a pretty special thing when Tyler Smith and Cooch are texting Carson Wiz, and Hunt, you know the four start like, hey, this is what I saw when I pitched when Carson was pitching on Sunday. and mm-hmm. just they, they want to help one another. They want to leave their legacy, and those three guys have done as good a job of leaving their legacy as any three players that we've ever had in our program.
0: I didn't mean to age Ryder Giles. He just with the mustache and the mullet, he looks like an old '80s guy now. So that's that's yeah, that, that was exactly my mistake there. That was like the guy for sure with the mullet. So he
1: back <laughs> look. But he, he's definitely wearing it very confidently.
0: No, he is. He's he's certainly doing that. Uh, Cliff Godwin uh, with us uh, here, uh, Coach, Anything to uh, Cooch moving up to to uh, to the Friday slot as a starter? hunt moving up to second. Smitty moving to third. Or is that just kind of uh, the best uh, best starting three for the that, weekend? You guys feel like right now?
1: Play for us to start this weekend. We wanted to match Gavin and Cooch together. Um, just because they pitched on Saturday and um, Cooch normally can move up a day and be okay. So um, that was just for this weekend. And, and look, uh, we'll figure out what we'll do this weekend coming up. But those guys did a really good job. And what our pitching staff we've talked about from day one is we want to have four or five Friday night shards. You know, one will pitch on Friday, but another Friday night starter pitch on Saturday, Sunday, and in the midweek. So we're going to need, you know, those guys, uh, all of them, especially when we get
0: into conference. Starters, uh, particularly your first two days, Cooch and, and Wizenhunt. I mean, they gave you great innings, productive innings. Uh, Cooch moving to 2-0, for example, on Friday. So I, having that th- those guys answer that bell and, and do what they needed to do to give you innings on those first two uh, games, that really uh, puts you guys in, in a really good spot going into Sunday, I'd have to imagine, knowing that you had a rested and ready bullpen.
1: Yeah, it's always good when you're on Sunday and you've got a rescue bullpen. but the guys go gotta go out there and do it. And, you know, Matt Bridges did it, Cam did it, and uh, Ryder did it, also AJ did it, so but at the end of the day <laughs> they can be rested. If they don't go out there and execute pitches, it doesn't matter. So a reference to Mammoth game, I think it was in eighteen or nineteen when we had Balls rested, Trey Benton rested, and Sam Lanier rested, but it didn't matter. We didn't pitch good and we blew a lead. so yeah. A credit to our guys being rested but actually going out there and getting the job done.
0: Coach, uh, how is it that I, – I know you guys have talked about it, but what are these guys – is it a mental thing with the bullpen guys being ready and even some guys that have come off the bench this year? You, you have guys that are – and obviously they put in the work, but uh, it seems like so far through the first 15 games, whenever you have uh, had to, to go to your bench or go to the bullpen, by and large, uh, those players are ready to go.
1: Well, we practice really hard. We put them in a lot of stressful situations of practice, and we continue to educate them that, you know, today could be your day. You could be the one that comes off the bench and gets the ball. It helps us win the game on the mound. You could be getting a pinch hit at bat, get a pinch hit, base running opportunity, um, go in and play defense. And, you know, even like what Riley Johnson's done for us defensively with Hoop being out and he's coming around offensively. But, And all those things matter because we can go defensive late in the game. Once uh, you know if we have a lead, and and we've been fortunate to have leads late in the game, and we've been able to go defensive.
0: Defensively, I think it was Coach O maybe that noted this yesterday. Um, You know, there there, it's just been be solid's not even the right word. It's it's been uh, stellar, and uh, you referenced the play uh, Norby made. Uh, on the unassisted triple play. Even the, the the plays that are not routine, that are spectacular, uh, the this defense is making it uh, look easy. And you credited uh, your assistant coaches for the work that they've done this year as far as having this uh, this team in, in 2021 ready defensively. Um, speak to those guys again because that was – I mean, it, it, it really – that that wins a lot of of baseball games. And I think – I don't want to say people take it for granted, but certainly I don't think of all the spectacular things – and excitement surrounding the program right now, defensively, that's such a key deal for this club.
1: Well, pitching and defense, uh, I would relate it to football. You know, you, you know, Cooch has a say and run the football, and that's just being fundamentally sound for us. And Coach Palumbo is the best infield coach that I've ever been around. Um, Austin Knight is working with the catchers. He is better catching coach than, than I was, especially as a head coach, because got more responsibility. Turner Brown works with some with the outfielders uh, and Jeff obviously assists with that. And then just Jeff's, you know, his scouting reports and his positioning with the infielders around who's pitching. Um, our staff is very prepared and they work hard and All the credit goes to those guys because they're the ones that are out there just helping our players each and every day be successful.
0: You know, uh, certainly it's always great to talk to you, Coach, but it's really interesting to talk to Coach Dietrich and the times I've talked to Coach Palumbo. Uh, What a great guy Jeff Palumbo is. Not, I mean, just everything you said about him professionally, but personally just a solid uh, ace of a guy. Uh, He's been at this, you know, 12, 15 years, been with the Pirate program, I believe seven seasons. And I just, you know, I think what Jeff Palumbo, it's not a name that's going to be at the uh, forefront of a lot of people's minds that, that follow the program, and that's no disrespect to him. But, I mean, he, he has a lot of responsibility, and he's just workman in the way he goes about his business. What a professional he is.
1: Jeff and I have been together from day one. You know, he was the first person I called even before I got – Offered the position to be the head coach here. We had worked together for three years as assistants at UCF, and you know God God puts people in your lives at times, and and you might not know why. And it wasn't um, I, I never knew Jeff before we were assistants at UCF. He actually was a freshman at George Mason when I was a senior at East Carolina, so we actually played against each other for one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once I saw what he did at UCF from a work ethic standpoint working with the infielders recruiting because he assisted me in recruiting when I was at UCF and I was the hitting coach he was the defensive coach so we worked hand in hand every day and uh, I knew he was the guy for for me to help us build this thing to where we wanted it to be and we're still working to get to where we want to go but Uh, Jeff, Sarah, the kids, uh, I couldn't be more blessed to have them a part of ECU baseball.
0: It's inside the ECU clubhouse with Pirate Baseball coach Cliff Godwin. I'm Patrick Johnson. It's brought to you by the Gavigan Agency Insurance and Financial Services and Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center. Coach, as you uh, look at uh, coming off the weekend series against uh, Charlotte, uh, now UNC Wilmington, a place uh, also that you've spent some time uh, in your uh, coaching career, a program you had of uh, a lot of respect for. Uh, I asked you a little bit yesterday about the key to beating uh, in-state rivals. Let me give an expansive question on that, Coach, uh, that you can't really get in the post-game uh, interview. Right now, ECU is the standard. I, I think that's that's kind of uh, uh, you know a no-brainer. I mean, the Pirate program and what you've built uh, upon, uh, and already had a great foundation, but what you've built upon certainly is uh, has, has made this program one of the premier in the region, and certainly in my mind, premier program in the state, but uh, whenever you play somebody in state, they are certainly going to give you their best shot because of uh, what the success ECU has had, and I'm sure you're expecting much of the same on uh, on Wednesday when uh, UNCW welcomes you down to Brooksfield.
1: Patrick, number one, I appreciate the kind words, but we might be the standard right this second, but it could all be taken away from Oh, no, absolutely yet. right. Yeah. Tomorrow. So, yeah. um, you know, I want our guys to stay humble. I want them to stay hungry. I want them to keep helping one another um, and doing things the right way. And I think our standard is treating people how we would want to be treated to work harder than others do consistently. Uh, and that's what our standard is, that the wins will take care of themselves if we're recruiting the right young men. To come into our program and they are coachable and they work hard, then you can see, I mean, look at the stories of Connor Norby and Carson Wisenhunt just over the past two years and how much better they have gotten. Um, they always had it in them. They just had to put the work in, and those guys have done a tremendous job. Uh, uncw when we a tough place to play. They're, they're really good. We notoriously don't play well down there. Um, I don't know what it is. We actually have won a lot of games down there, but we just don't – you come out of there and it's almost like a breath of fresh air if you do win because <laughs> right. it, just, it just seems like it's so difficult. And, of course, they're going to give us their best flow. That's what people should do. So it's only going to make us better by continuing to go out there and compete against the best competition in the country. So we'll look forward to it um, on Wednesday, going down there and competing against the really quality team.
0: Yeah, and uh, Randy Hood is now the coach down there. There's another uh, Eastern North Carolina guy, and uh, he's he's been a long time or was a long time uh, part of that program under Coach uh, Scalf, who we both uh, know really well, you know especially well, and uh, one of the great gentlemen in uh, college athletics, uh, Coach Scalf. But uh, uh, Coach Hood now down there uh, with the uh, Seahawk program at the helm of that. And I do remember, Coach, a couple years ago I, I, I did one of the uh, wins – uh, where uh, you kind of small-balled, uh, you know, station to station, and, and the Pirates won the game. That was uh, a game in which uh, you, I think the UNCW used may have used 10 or more pitchers. It was, uh, it was a parade to the bullpen for the Seahawks. Uh, it was a bullpen game for sure on that. But you're right, uh, always, uh, always a fun environment, and uh, hopefully some Pirate fans, uh, and I'm sure they will be in attendance uh, midweek for that 6 o'clock first pitch. Uh, Cliff, you noted yesterday uh, you kind of thought uh, maybe guys were a little uh, tired, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Maybe I I didn't hear that right. But...
1: Uh, I I meant yeah, positionally I thought we looked tired yesterday. Yeah, you know, like the, and tired. It, it, some of it's mental. I mean, look, man, it, it was two really hard fought games on Friday and Saturday. They you got the first night game on Friday, which they were able to sleep in some on Saturday, and then. Um, you know, and it was all warmer games, too, so mm-hmm. which we played in really warm weather down in Georgia Southern. Uh, but I, I just thought, you know, the, the game was wearing down on some of our guys. I thought our swings were a little bit slow. and um, But that happens, and like Matt Bridges said, we found a way to win, and that's what a great team does is even when maybe you're not the best in one area, then the other two areas pick you up. And had great, great pitching and great defense yesterday, which won the game and had a couple – you know, timely, quality at-bats and two big swings by Connor Norby and Josh Moore.
0: Well, now, the Norby uh, swing uh, snapped the tie, uh, and here he is, uh, sixth home run of the year. I, I don't know if there's a hotter hitter uh, right now in the country than, than Connor Norby, especially, you know, he goes over in game one, but two hits in each of the last couple of games and a home run in each of the last couple of games. Uh, he, he's swinging a very hot bat right now, batting over four eighty on the year. And you referenced it, Coach. Here's someone who, his first year, got a little bit of time. Uh, average-wise, didn't hit the ball very well. Last year, when play halted, I mean, he was he was fantastic. He was uh, playing really, really well, hitting the baseball really well. And that's continued over, and that's a lot due to the, the lot of work uh, that he has put in to be to the point where he is.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go back to Friday night. He actually smoked two balls on Friday night, just hit it right at people so it wasn't like he wasn't right. seeing the ball He just you know that's the game of baseball that's why I hate batting average because if you don't come to the game and you're not watching the game you look at a box score guy could have lined out four times and he was over for 4 so um yeah Norby's been saying it really good he has worked extremely hard uh, he's grown up a whole lot I, I keep reference this freshman year he had some maturing to do as an individual and I'm very glad that I had a lot of conversations with him as coach Malumbo did. And we were as patient with him as probably any player that's ever come through our program to just continue to develop him into not just the baseball player, but the young man he is today. And he's just grown up so much and I'm proud of him because, you know, maybe in my younger coaching career, he might not have made it here. And, uh, I'm, I'm just so thankful that I had some patience and that he took to coaching and he is, uh, you know, doing what he
0: is now. Hey, coach, as always, we thank you for the time and uh, best of luck uh, this week with uh, UNCW, then the uh, three game set with uh, Illinois State coming up this weekend. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Go Pirates. This has been Inside the ECU Clubhouse with Coach Cliff Godwin, presented by Dr. Philip Goldstein at Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center, reminding you that a colonoscopy could save your life. And by the Gavigan Agency, covering Pirate Nation's personal and commercial insurance needs with offices in Greenville and Newburgh.
2: Safe- abusive-
0: so, Ben, you reported earlier uh, in your update Archie Miller. Well, you know, state fans are a little mixed on. I mean, they wanted Sean Miller, but Sean wasn't coming to state. Archie wanted the job, but uh, Debbie Al wouldn't hire him. And then, you know, he succeeded at Dayton and went to IU four years ago. Uh, one booster paid his $10 million buyout. Could you imagine being disliked so much that one guy would pay your entire t- I mean, not just like, you know.
2: That's a dedicated ten, fan right there.
0: $10 million. It's a lunatic is what is more sense than money. Look, IU is quickly becoming uh, that uh, UCLA territory, right?
2: Yeah, former former powerhouses,
0: right? Now pa- irrelevant.
2: Powerhouses no
0: longer. Duke has maintained relevancy, but K's been there the whole time. Kentucky's back to being relevant, but it took some bad turns. And uh, you know, Calipari saved this year's had them relevant. Kansas remains relevant through coaching changes. Uh, UNC from Dean, couple down years then to Roy. Uh, Michigan State, we'll see what Michigan State and Duke do. When, but really, Michigan State, Heathcote and um, Izzo. You know, you don't want to become irrelevant. UCLA's there, Indiana, closer to that every day. Uh, we'll talk some more hoops tomorrow with Brian Mull. Thanks to Cliff Godwin today. See you tomorrow.